So I heard this story about this uh, man who was driving down the road. He saw a sign in the yard that said, Talking Dog for Sale. So he stopped, went up there. He just had to know. So he went up and then knocked on the door. And uh, sure enough, the guy said, Yes, I have a talking dog. He's out back in the yard. So the man goes back to the backyard, and there's this uh, black-looking mutt sitting there. And he comes up to me and says, So you talk? The dog looked up and said, Yes. So what's your story? He said, Well, discovered my talent when I was pretty young. And uh, so I, I end up telling about my talent, and uh, next thing you know, I'm traveling all over the world for the CIA, going into secret meetings with spies, because no one would suspect a dog would be able to, to relay information. So I'm being left in rooms to hear, overhear conversations, and so he's going on, he said, you know, and uh, had some major uh, times I, I probably saved the United States. I uh, said, so then after that, I decided I was going to just, um, you know, get, get away from that, because I was gone so much, and he said, uh, so, so I end up uh, getting a job at airport security, you know, pretty much detecting packages, those kind of things. He said, but, you know, I ha got married, I had a mess of puppies, and, and uh, decided to retire. It's just too much. And, and uh, so he's like, wow, that's incredible. So uh, the, the man left the dog there. Uh, he went up to front, and he, and he said, uh, I got to know how much you want for this dog. And the guy said, $10. He said, $10? This dog's incredible. Why are you only asking $10? He said, because... He's a liar. He didn't do any of that stuff he told you about. <laughs> wouldn't we probably believe, wouldn't we probably believe anything a talking dog told us just because the fact dogs don't usually talk, right? I'm sure some of us, we'd like to know what our dog's thinking. You know, I'm somewhat of a dog lover. As I get older, I, I love them less, it seems like. Um, <laughs> but uh, the kids are picking up where I left left off. But... You know, uh, there's sometimes dogs do funny things. You want to know what they're thinking, but um, we, we wish we could just believe uh, everything we're told right. Um, <clears throat> so I want to kind of take a step back for a minute because I've been staring at this little bottle of water up here. And this I didn't do this at the first service, but I, I kept just my attention kept drawn to this. And um, the reason is because there's another bottle of water here this morning. And uh, <clears throat> over the weekend, all the salty stuff we ate, I... You know, parched, and I drank that, and I came up here, and I was sitting up here thinking, man, I shouldn't have drank that coffee because my, my throat's sore, and I already drank the water. It's over here, and I look, and there's another full one. And I don't want to take away from the pastor appreciation because I know y'all and Ken and, and all that put that together, and, and some of y'all are sacrificing. I mean, our car's already been detailed, and, you know, we know everybody works hard for their money, and, you know, we're not, we're obviously, no one hopefully does ministry for the money, and so... Um, it's appreciated. But, you know, I started thinking about this bottle of water because I like, you know, it's hard for me to receive. I could just go get that bottle of water myself. You know, that's how I feel. People, I'll get that for you. And, and Jen and I are the same way. Our house, we're having to teach our kids because both of us, that area rubbed off on our kids too much. And it's like you want them to sometimes just leave you alone because like, oh, I'll get that for y'all. You know, it's just almost too much, but it's hard to receive. But, you know, I think, as I was looking at that bottle of water is, um, what I'm learning is this bottle of water is not for me personally. I mean, somebody probably did it. They, they, they care. I have ideas of who, who uh, replaced it. Um, that's not typical. I don't always say you got to have a bottle of water for me. Um, but I'm doing ministry this morning. And you see, the thing that means the most, most to me, I think, is when people are, are willing to carry the burden of ministry just to take some of it off. <clears throat> and so it's a little bottle of water, but 
to me, it means a lot more. And I pray that all of you find your place at New Song uh, to find where you, not for me, but for others that are already doing ministry, uh, find that bottle of water for them. You know, Nathan, uh, I was thinking back when I asked Nathan, and he had been coming to New Song faithfully, and everybody knows Nathan's quiet. Sorry, Nathan, you get picked on a lot. The quiet guy always does. But, um, you know, I came and said, hey, would you seem to know technical things. Would you be willing to do the sound booth? Well, it's not my favorite thing. Exactly what I said, not my real favorite thing, but if you really need somebody. So I left it alone. And then we got desperate again, and I came back and asked Nathan to help me again. He, he went in, but that opened a door because we had no idea all of Nathan's talents and, and his desire, how deep his desire was to serve the Lord, how he desires. And I do talk about Nathan a lot because we, we you know, he, he's made himself available and we're around each other. It's not the uh, love him more than I love you guys. It's just where we're at as a church, we really need all of us to find our places. And this isn't the sermon today, but I just kept staring at that bottle of water and it just kept me maybe thinking, and Ken might have been the one that done it, but Ken does the same thing. You know, it's, it's all of us find our place. Not for me. That's what I struggle with. I'm not asking you to do it for me. I'm asking you because as believers, we've got a big task ahead. There's a city that needs Jesus that we're planted right in the middle of. And we've got a good run and start. We've really got a good run and start. This last eight years has been great. We've got a great relationship with our city leaders. We've got a great relationship so far with the community. We haven't messed it up, you know. So I just want to give that little tidbit that um, I'm pastor appreciation, and we're going to have a, a focus on the other pastors. We have uh, volunteer pastors, Ken and, and uh, uh, Vincent and Tim and others, and we're going to have a, a focus on them uh, <clears throat> after this as well. But, but that's really where we need the appreciation is that all of us taking up, uh, taking up a burden in ministry. So... I've been on this in, in tying in with receiving. Let me ask you this: You ever? Uh, how many have had a baby, or or your wife had a baby? Okay, Kevin, thank you. Kevin was kind of like, <laughs> so thanks, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, so anyway, but you've had a baby. How many have ever tried to feed that baby when the baby didn't want to eat? You know, stiff lips, jaws locked, and you're trying to get that food in, right? And they develop good hand-eye coordination. So next thing you know, they got the hands in there, and, and you're going to feed them, and all of a sudden there's, you're getting it in the in ear or down the front of them or whatever, but they're an artist at not getting that food in, right? And it goes along with that whole idea of receiving. Is, is you know Receiving doesn't also have to do with being hard to receive gifts. It sometimes can be hard to receive help that we need. And so we've been on this track for the last few Sundays talking about a, a topic that for this church in particular may be harder for us because we are in a Pentecostal denomination, but it's not written on our sign. It's not in a handbook you get. And some of you come from different backgrounds. And some of you are happy the fact that, you know, we only have so many sermons a year on the topic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Because it, it, it puts you in a place where I can, I can fit in and, and those Sundays I'll just be gone. If I know we're going in a series about that, I can just be gone. But I want to challenge you today that there's, there's another side to it. This isn't for Pastor CJ to see a reaction in the real altars. This isn't for us to, for, for anything for me. But we may have a problem with receiving. Both for our benefit and for the benefit of others. Because there's, there's this thing that, that, that has happened among denominations you know so you got democrat and republican right if you're a democrat and 
you tend to think I got to vote Democrat, right? And sometimes you won't even see the blaring person. <laughs> oh, I was going to say idiot, but that one nice. You're, and I'm not saying for this election. I'm just going to say, you know, we might have it at any year. I got to dig myself out of this. At any year, because I don't promote candidates from the pulpit. But at any year, we could have a Republican that's, that's uh, a goofball, you know. And, but we've been voting Republican, and that's the party, you know, and so we vote. And I think sometimes as Christians, we have labeled ourselves either by denomination or by comfort. We've labeled ourselves in such a way that we can't explore beyond that, that box. So it comes to things that, are, that separate denominations like the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues and, and we separate ourselves. I'm so far off of my notes right now as far as taking things to order. But, you know, first service, I just was having problems with, with the way it was going. And I, and, and I want you guys to hear my heart. Ultimately, we have a task bigger than us. Our world is so fast-paced and we're all so busy in our jobs and everything that, that the things of the spiritual realm, since we don't see, see them and, and touch them many times, we don't get a chance to feel them. We, we, we miss the chance to feel the spiritual realm and actually get get a chance to experience it in that way because we close ourselves off. Just like that baby being force-fed, the Holy Spirit will not force-feed you. See, that's a misconception. Some people that didn't grow up around that, that this thing about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, if you're locked-jawed, you know, you're turning the head, you're putting the hands up, the Holy Spirit's not going to shove that baptism into you. And if you don't want to eat, the Holy Spirit's not going to make it happen for himself either because there has to be a desire. And before I get too far off of this, I want to, I want to pull us back to the moment I got, uh, had the baptism of the Holy Spirit and my observation of others who have had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That each time I've seen that happen has come from a time when someone is so broken before the Lord that, that they're at a place where they really don't care what all's going on around them or what's going to happen in the next hour or whether they're weak, but they need something from God so bad. They need a work in them so bad that begin to praise him out loud, begin to pray out loud, begin to, to, to commune with God in a, in a very verbal, out loud way. And then God reaches in and baptizes them. So I've asked my mom to tell a story about a time in Nebraska when she saw something similar to that and, and tell the story of a lady she ministered to. Uh, we were pastoring in Nebraska and um, we'd been there a few years and God had just really spoke to my heart about mission. I mean, I was getting such a burden for missions. And, you know, when you say missions, uh, or at least me, you think Africa, somewhere, you know, uh, foreign missions. But um, I just had such a burden to be able to reach people for the Lord that I began to fast and pray and um, just really seek God about what I can do. I had four children at home, and there was no way I could take off, of, you know, to a foreign country. But I wanted so desperately to be in a position to really win souls, so I began fasting and praying and seeking God what I could do. And one day in my praying, it was just like God said, look at your neighborhood, your, the neighborhood you live in. And, you know, we don't always think that's a mission field, but God said, this is your mission field. And um, 
So I did. I thought, okay, there was a young couple who had just moved in on the left of us. Uh, they were on, there was only four houses on our side of the street. They were the first. They'd just moved in, had four small children, and there was us. And the next door was another young couple with one little girl that uh, I knew they did not go to church. They had, in talking to them, you could tell they were not serving the Lord as we think anyway. Uh, and then next door to them was a young couple with two children. Their son played with CJ all the time. And I knew they didn't go to church. Across the street was about four little elderly widow women. And uh, I wasn't sure about them, you know. But anyway, um, God began speaking to me about if you really want to do a mission work, it's right here. So I, um, you know, I've told in the early service, I've always believed God has a real sense of humor. You know, I've many times I've felt like he's looking down at me and laughing and saying, there she goes again, you know, because I'm always uh, doing crazy things. But um, that was when the teaching really began coming out about building relationships. Up to that point in church, it seemed like, you know, you were supposed to go tell people, you know, if you don't come to church and get saved, you're going to hell and that kind of thing. You know, you just expected them to come to church and get saved. But they really began teaching, build relationships with people, and you'll win them to the Lord. And so um, I was listening to that, and so my first thought was, okay, what I'm going to do is have a neighborhood barbecue. We're going to get all these neighbors to come over, and we're going to get really better acquainted with them so that we can, you know, get to know them better. And eventually, if when they see that just because we're Pentecostals doesn't mean we're nuts, you know, and um, I thought, then once they get to know us, then we can invite them to church. You know, it was all going to be so pretty and so neat and nice, you know. And, uh, of course, this week we were busy. Next week we were busy. And I was not getting the barbecue planned like I thought. And I was getting kind of frustrated with that. Well, lo and behold, on a Wednesday afternoon, Lori, the gal that moved in next door with the four little children, came knocking on the door. And she said, uh, I just wondered if your church has any programs for children. And uh, she said, I was raised Catholic, and when I go to church, which the way she said it, we knew she didn't go regularly, she said, uh, the Catholic church here has nothing for children, and I would like for my children to be involved in some kind of programs. And uh, well, I said, yes. And matter of fact, we have Royal Rangers Missionettes. Explained that to her. And uh, I said, in fact, we're having that tonight. Would you like for them to go? She said, oh, yes, I'd love that. And then all of a sudden, this light went off in my head, and I said, uh, well, while the children in those programs, we have uh, Bible study with the adults in the sanctuary. If you, and I'm really carefully approaching it because I haven't had the barbecue yet, you know. And so <laughs> I uh, said, uh, would you like to go to the Bible study? And she said, oh, you study the Bible? And I said, yeah. <laughs> she said, and like I told earlier, I don't think that's the way it is here, but up there, they taught the people that they were not supposed to read the Bible. They were only supposed to let the priest tell them what the Bible said. So she said, I've never studied the Bible before. And I said, well, you can go. So, okay. So she went that night, took the kids. They loved it. She was so excited that she could read the Bible and talk about it. So uh, she said, I, I want to go Sunday. I thought, great. You know, this this is moving fast. I thought, God, you're not waiting on me. You know, I'm, I had this plan, and you're just not going along with the plan. So um, 
she wanted to go Sunday, and she said, uh, I'm going to see if my husband, his name was Dallas. She said, I'm going to see if Dallas will go. Well, Sunday morning, here they come, all six of them. They come to church, and uh, I wasn't sitting beside her. I was at the piano. Well, lo and behold, right in the middle of the service, the Holy Spirit came down. There was a message in tongues and interpretation. Well, they left and went home after service, and we went home. Clyde and I had a, uh, a call to make that afternoon. We weren't home. And in the middle of the afternoon, there's a doorbell rings, and there stands Lori. And Jim, our son, who comes to church here, he was the only one home. She comes in. She says, I want to know what that was. What happened in service this morning? What, what, what were they doing? And she's, so Jim, I don't know what all he told her, but he explained to her that the, the message in, in tongues and interpretation. And she told Jim, she said, that scared me to death. Now, you have to realize, a Catholic who has never been in a Pentecostal service and, uh, you know, didn't know anything about all this stuff, she said that she had grabbed her husband's hand, and she said literally she was so scared she dug her fingernails into his hand, almost had it bleeding, because it just scared her to death. But the thing was, it was real. It was real. And, you know, if it's really the Holy Spirit, it still touches hearts, even if they're scared to death. So she um, said, uh, Jim explained it to her, and she said, okay. So Wednesday night, here she was back again. She came a couple of weeks, and she was getting a little easier with this thing of speaking in tongues. And she said one day, she said, you know, I think I want that. You think I could have that? And I said, of course you could. And she said, uh, I told her, I said, now, here we go with my plans again. Clyde had this book that explained all about the Holy Spirit, so I go and give her the book, and I'm thinking she has four little kids. She doesn't have a lot of extra time. Uh, I'll give her three or four days at least to read part of it or all of it, and then we'll sit down and talk about it. And I've just had this vision of me leading her through to the Holy Spirit. You know? <laughs> well, the next morning early, she called me, and she is just so excited. She, just, she said, Doris, I stayed up all night last night, and I read the whole book. And she said, oh, I'm so excited. She said, I was going to do my, I was doing my laundry, and I started down my back steps to go out and hang out a load of laundry. And as I got about halfway down the steps, these words just started coming out of me. And she's just, oh, I mean, she was just rattling 90 to nothing. She was so laughing and so excited. She, and after she told me, she said, I don't know what they were. I didn't understand what it was. She said, do you think that happened to me? <laughs> and I said, yeah, Lori, I think you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you know. And uh, again, I thought, well, God must have been laughing, thinking, you know, here I had this plan, you know, that I thought we were going to follow. But it was a beautiful thing that uh, she did receive, and it's so simple when you just open your heart. She was totally open to God, and I didn't do this in the early service, but after I sat down this morning, God really spoke to me, and I hope I can do this, just take another couple of minutes. God spoke to me to tell my own experience. It's not a sad story, not something to make you feel sorry. It's just a fact. Um, I grew up with a sister one year older than me, and she was the one that everybody adored. You know, she was the straight-A student. She was pretty. She uh, spoke when spoken to, you know, dainty girl, everything, and um, I, can't, I was one year later, and all of my teachers would say, you don't act like your sister. <laughs> I was a C student, I mouthy, talking all the time, crazy, uh, you know, and so 
I grew up always being compared to her. And um, like I said, I'm not trying to tell a sob story. It's just the way things happen. But by the time I was a teenager, I'd heard that so much. And even from some relatives, you know, why can't you act like your sister? Well, what that did to me was tell me that I was not good enough. Um, I was not, I didn't have a lot of self-esteem. And I'd always felt that God was calling me to be a minister's wife. And I couldn't see that happening because I was not, you know, I wasn't pretty. I wasn't, I didn't act right. I wasn't smart enough. Finally, when I totally, 100% gave my heart to the Lord, I, I knew somebody really loved me for me, not because of the way I, he loved me for me. And uh, as I began to seek more and more of God, and I did want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I sought for quite a while, but it finally came to the point that I was seeking God because... Um, I just wanted more of his love, and um, I was to the point, like CJ said, I didn't care if God threw me out on the floor, if I screamed and hollered, I didn't care, I just wanted more of God, but I was knelt down toward the back after a service one night all by myself, just thanking God because he loved me, and he filled me with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that changed the whole way I saw myself. God gave me self-worth. I knew, I'm, you know, I was not perfect. Um, and it wasn't something that I thought I was better than anyone else or special. I just knew that I mattered to God, and that's all I needed. And it, if you're struggling with that, I can tell you, God makes the difference in how you feel about yourself. You see, it's easy for us to, especially Christians that have been Christians for a while that have not received or you've been in a denomination or a belief that uh, doesn't teach about uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or doesn't believe it's for today. But you see, this isn't something that's meant for our self-satisfaction or for comparison to others. I believe the Holy Spirit for sure told mom to share that last part because that is that is truly how it was for me too. I I didn't have a lot of self-worth before I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. But I learned what it was to just be perfect in who he made me. Not that I ever stopped messing up, but but that God was truly working on me. If you want to turn with me to John chapter 7, Verses 37 through 39. John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. Borrow off of our speaker last week, although I won't go as long, but uh, if you got it, say got it. got it. If you don't got it, say hold on. Okay. John chapter 7, verses 37 and through 39. All right. 
On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus offers streams of living water. So this isn't like the, the little boy, Jesus' the little boy with a lemonade stand offering you a small cup of lemonade for a quarter. This is talking about an abundant supply of living water. So what's living water? You know, this is terminology being used in Scripture that we need to understand. What is living water? John, uh, Apostle John answers that, in que- uh, uh, that question in verse 39 when he says, when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who had been given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So living water is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus offers to fill you and I overflowing with the Spirit of God. Now understand, I believe that at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. We know that from Scripture. He comes to live in you. So we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit's inhabiting you. We're just talking about him doing another work in you. It's basically why he set up residence in you. He begins to look at ways to, to, uh, to work within you. According to Jesus, this abundant filling with the Holy Spirit is not automatic. Before anyone can be filled, Jesus identifies three prerequisite, prerequisites. But I want to, before we look at that, I want to see, um, look at how we can be filled with the Spirit. Some of you may be wondering what, what being filled with the Spirit is. Well, we want to be on the same page on that because it's hard to move forward before we all know what that means. Simply put, it means being filled with God because the Holy Spirit is God. God lives within you and me. You see, we, we don't really want to think of God as like a, a, a pitcher of water. But, if you, but it, I've seen this illustration before where they pit pour it and then it pours over and spills over. But I think more of God like an endless ocean, like, like seas that you can never reach the end of. And so many of us think at salvation that we receive God and we've got all of God that we need. We've got all of his spirit that we need and we're done. And what I believe we do in that is we begin to create a roadblock in our, in our spiritual growth saying that, that I don't need any more of God and so we tend to shut off any other additional work that he wants to do in us. And so the Holy Spirit's whole intention in, in, being, in dwelling in us is to be able to to recreate all the time in us, to be able to change, to chisel away at the things that that need to change. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Again, uh, to be filled with God because the Holy Spirit is God. So God lives within you and me. Uh, If you're a believer, the Bible tells us that when a person believes upon Jesus and is rescued from their sin, the Holy Spirit comes into that individual. And 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God. So you are, as a believer, the sacred dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. God is not just out there somewhere. God has uh, designed you and me to be his home on earth. And God lives in you. That's why when I talk to someone who says, I say, Do you, um, uh, are you a follower of Christ? Like, oh, yeah, I believe he's real. I believe he's real. Oh, yeah, I grew up going to church, my grandma. I, 
I, I did that sinner's prayer thing. You see, for someone who, who the Holy Spirit is continuing working you, you already have this little check in you that says, this person needs to be lit up because they're thinking this is like a one-time shop. You know, I come in, I got some God back then, and I'm good. But that's not the way God wants to work, and we know that from Scripture. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives and makes an immediate transformation with us. As the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. However, being filled with the Spirit is more than just God living within us. The Bible also teaches us that there is a subsequent spiritual experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Spirit, both of those uh, being used interchangeably. But the second infilling of the Holy Spirit is evidenced by speaking in other tongues. In other words, uh, almost every reference, not every reference, there's a few that are silent that don't mention tongues, uh, but uh, scholars are able to, to show that, that every time the baptism of the Holy Spirit is being referenced, the initial physical evidence is speaking in tongues. The book of Acts records how early Christians experienced this dynamic experience. An example is Acts 2.4 where it says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is the upper room experience. And then Acts 10.45 and 46. The Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and, and uh, praising God. In Acts 19.6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So as believers today, we need God to equip us and empower us by filling us with his Holy Spirit in the same way as these New Testament believers or these New Testament Christians did. If they needed to be filled with the Spirit in order to fulfill God's purpose in and through their lives, then how much more do we? I'm going to, again, ask a question I've asked before. So I hope this will get us at least past some maybe denominational or some, some labeling issues in our mind. If God wants to do something else in you, is your answer yes or no? I'm not talking about Pastor CJ trying to teach you and you trying to accept what I'm teaching and say, well, I, I could see this a different way. I'm saying if God, independent of what it is, wants to do something new in you, is the answer yes or no? If the answer is yes, then what is that thing that he wants to do? You'd have to find it from Scripture. I mean, everything we have on our basis of knowing the character nature of God and our whole faith in him comes from his living, breathing word. So it would have to come from his word. So let me ask you this. When you look through, what additional works are there beyond salvation? And that's why we teach on this, because the evidence is, is that the major work that happened at his ascension was go and wait up in the upper room and don't leave there until the comforters come. And people who are afraid to be witnesses were going out even unto their death. So, so God is ready and willing to, to fill us with his Holy Spirit or baptize us in the Spirit with the evidence of speaking tongues. And we know from Matthew 7:11 that uh, our Father God is always prepared to give good gifts to those who ask Him. He's not going to give us anything that's bad for us or that is non-productive. So if we read in Scripture something that God is doing in the believers, we can automatically assume it is beneficial to them. It is no waste of time. It is exactly what they need. 
to carry on. So what is our part to receive the Holy Spirit? What do we, what do we need to have? What are the prerequisites that Jesus said we were needed by those who would be filled with the living water of the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, we need to believe in Jesus and we need an open mind to be filled with the Spirit. In John 7, 38, Jesus said, if you believe in me, come and drink. In other words, you have to have an open mind about this. Otherwise, we're not getting anywhere beyond, beyond the opening statement of this message. Because it's like the baby being force-fed. If your mind is locked and I will not receive anything else, then, then the Holy Spirit's not going to force His way and God's not. He's giving you free will. And that's the whole problem with why we, we need God to help us resist sin because, because when we're given free will and we're not looking to God, we automatically choose sin. We must believe in Jesus. Accepting Christ as our personal Savior and being forgiven of our sins makes it possible for us to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. However, to be filled with the Spirit requires more than just believing in Jesus for salvation. Now, some Christians today acknowledge Jesus as their Savior and believe that the Holy Spirit comes to live within them, but they are not open-minded about being filled with the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And I will tell you that, that my experience as people who are really dead set against this, who, who even make it a mission to make, try to clarify to everyone else that this is not uh, true for today, this is not, uh, I find that they usually struggle the most with, with getting along with the brothers and sisters of Christ because they have closed themselves off to any possibility that this, that is in Scripture, God may still be wanting to do it today. And so it becomes some kind of mission. It becomes some kind of, like, I've got to convince everybody because I'm going to rescue them from believing that that part of God's word is for them today. But if believing in Jesus for salvation is not enough to be filled or baptized with the Spirit, then what else do we need to believe about Jesus? What, what, what then do we need to believe? How, how should our mind be open if we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, we need to believe Jesus' teaching about the baptism of the Holy Spirit applies to all believers. Here's another thing that, that is, is a misconception uh, about this is some will say, well, it's not for all believers. Not only is it not for today, but not believers. But there is no scriptural reference for it not being for all believers. Actually, it's the opposite. Let me ask you this. If Jesus is ascending to go back to the Father, he's completed three years of ministry, the greatest work ever, the work on the cross. This is his last opportunity to sow into those people before he ascends, and then they won't see him again until the rapture, right? Or they pass. So if, if that's his last instructions, and he's telling them to go wait for the comfort, wouldn't it be important to say, by the way, not all of you are going to need this? Or someday you won't need this. Wouldn't it be important that if it was going to cease or not be for some people, that that would be somewhere in Scripture to be able to tell us that? Now, there is a Scripture that some take to say that uh, it talks about the, this ceasing with, uh, with gifts, uh, with the death of the apostles, but it's, not, it's taken out of context. And, and we, we see in other Scriptures, if, if that was true, it would directly contradict several other Scriptures um, where it shows being filled with the Holy Spirit is a valid and desirable gift for all believers today. Je um, one on the, Jesus said in Mark 16, 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. They will speak in new tongues. And these signs that accompany. Now see, notice it didn't say, and those who are going to believe will 
speak in other tongues. In other words, it is not a prerequisite to have salvation to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, but it accompanies. It's an accompanying work. And Jesus said if we believe in Him, we can have a supernatural experience speaking an unknown language known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the Apostle Peter, who spent three and a half years with Jesus, was among those in the upper room to first be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says, and I'm going to use the message version. Um, the wording's, uh, wording's uh, easy to, to get on this, but Acts 2.39. He says, The promise is targeted to you and your children, but also to all who are far away, whomever, in fact, our Master God invites. To all. It's not just for your small group. It's not just for the Pentecostals. It's not just for a certain denomination or a certain group. So Jesus told his disciples that they needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not enough for the disciples to just know that Jesus was alive again. Jesus wanted them to receive the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And like I said before, again, Jesus is there with them, but he wants his spirit to reside in them. So he sends the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 4-5, Jesus told them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you what he promised. Remember, I've told you about this before. John baptized with water, but just in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Bible's not left out any important details. Jesus told his disciples they need to be filled with the Spirit, and likewise, we also need to be filled with the Spirit. Another thing is we also need to believe that Jesus wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And it sounds like I'm being repetitive, but I'm, I'm carefully choosing wording because there's a difference between believing it is for today. It's also a difference between believing he wants it for all people. But now let's get personal. Jesus wants to fill you. So it's different to accept it for ourselves and say, because we tend to make ourselves an island of our own. Jesus wants it for all people. And secretly inside we're like, but I don't think me. I, I'm going to keep myself separate from that because I don't want to be pushed in a direction here that, that I'm not willing to go. But Jesus, we need to believe that he wants to fill, fill us, me. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Spirit is not a denominational issue. It's, it's not the Pentecostals versus the Baptists or any other group. It's not the Assemblies of God because the, the Assemblies of God does not have the corner on the market on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This isn't a thing for denominational pride to, to stand up and say, oh, I'm Pentecostal. It's not for that because it's not to be edifying us. It's not for our personal gain. But the very thing is to make others greater because this is to send us out to make disciples, to save souls. Jesus wants to fill all believers. Why does Jesus want his followers to be filled? Well, Jesus wants believers to have spiritual power. Because it says in Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. Now, here's where I tread on thin ice because my heart is to not make anyone feel like this is about I'm less of a Christian because I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. Because only God chooses that. I, I can't choose it for you. I can't decide the timeline. It was probably a couple years of me starting to think about it and pray about it. And then when I prayed for it, I wasn't even praying for the baptism. It was like my mom. I was just seeking God, wanting more of him. But listen, I'm a person that's observed people, Christians and non-believers alike. And if I could step out of my role right now 
as a pastor of a Pentecostal church and speak heart to heart to you. This is not judgment call on me or from me. I'm just going to tell you my observation. I see more people struggle with their walk who are not filled with the Baptist Holy Spirit than I see people who are. Now, I, I fell from my, my relationship with God after I received. So I'm not saying you can't fall away. I'm just saying that I see more people living a victorious Christian life. I see it becomes less about them. There, there's, there's less quarreling going on in the home about stuff. There's less, there's less uh, this is about me and my wants. This is more because the Holy Spirit's coming in to do what? Give you power to be, do what? Be witnesses, right? So that it becomes all about other people. I, I see more of the Holy Spirit taking people and humili- uh, uh, not humiliating them, but bringing, making them humble. <laughs> Similar word, wrong meaning. Um, but humbling them and bringing them to the point where it's about others. They did me wrong with my taxes. The spirit-filled believer says, you know what, God will take care of it. The believer who thinks, you know, I've got rights, goes to toe the line. I'm not saying you can't argue about your taxes to get if they messed up. I'm just saying there's a different, there's a different mindset that happens in the spirit-filled believer. I believe if I, I was not spirit-filled, then, then I would do half the things I do right now because it would be more about me spending time with my family and doing what makes me happy than then maybe that someone else has changed. That one more life has changed. There's a driving force. You see, this is a power to make it about other people. I'm not saying that you will automatically be selfish Christian because you aren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm saying that you run a greater risk because you have, you have put your hands out, you stopped the, and said, I don't, I'm not going to be fed that. I can read it right there in the Bible. I can see that it happened for others, but I'm just not willing to go far enough to say, because there's some denominations, because there's others who will back me up on this, this isn't for me. And so you've got a whole bunch of Christians. But let me tell you something. This isn't bragging on the Assemblies of God, but Pentecostal movement is the fastest growing, largest movement in the world today. And I mentioned this in a previous sermon for those that weren't he- here to hear it, but one of the largest Baptist organizations have finally said for their missionaries overseas, they will not disqualify them because they become filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. You know the reason they did that? Because the mission would die across the world. Because the church in America is on decline, but the church worldwide is growing. The persecution is bringing on a deeper desire to find God and to dig in. And through that desire and through that, uh, through that longing for, for God to do something miraculous in their life, they're being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so in the other denominations, they're having their believers getting filled with the Holy Spirit, even though they're not teaching on it. And so they had to make allowance for their missionaries to not be disqualified for that. And you want to talk about decades and decades and decades of saying that's of the devil in some cases. Why the change? Oh, well, pastor, the church as a whole is going to hell in the handbasket because we're changing all our beliefs on the Bible. No, this one's different. This is not about a doctrinal change where we're just changing so we can accept someone else into the, the body. What's happening is God is doing something in people that goes against our doctrines and our beliefs and we're having to change them because God changed them for us. And I'm not, I'm not, this is not about hitting on another denomination. I mean, I, there churches all around here uh, have blessed me in different ways. I've, I've got friends in other denominations. This is not about that. It's 
just to say that could it be possible that we have thrown our hands up and pushed back on something the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life because it seems a little weird to you or because someone that you saw uh, that got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they acted like the devil the rest of the time. Well, like my mom said, I'm glad she said it a couple times, it was real, it was real. See, I had the same opinion until I saw it real. I saw a sister so-and-so that, that maybe had a problem with gossip, but she was given a message in tongues, and so I thought, oh, it can't be real because her life doesn't match up. But then I started seeing people who God really was lighting up with the Holy Spirit, being baptized with the Holy Spirit, and they're changing. And the most awesome ones are ones who have never been taught anything on it. Like in that situation, she barely got to read a book, and God did it in her. Most time, people who have not yet made a decision to follow Christ are more likely, if they are introduced to the, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to immediately after salvation or pretty quickly after receive because they don't have all the jargon and all the all the you know it's like the consumer mentality well let me decide which way am i going to go democrat or i mean am i going to go lutheran methodist you know got to choose our party first right kind of what fits my temperament my mentality let me tell you something the baptism of the holy spirit changes your temperament have i always talked a lot yes ask my parents have i been effective at talking a lot not until the Holy Spirit came in. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will sense God's great love for you. It's like this huge hug from God. You'll be, you'll be edified and encouraged in your faith in Christ. You'll, you'll have great joy in the Lord. And these are all great things, but none of them are the reason you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. As we covered before, you're empowered to be a witness for the risen Christ. And two, the Holy Spirit baptism aids in resistance to temptation. Being continually filled with the Holy Spirit means that you're staying sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit says, stop it, don't do that, it's dangerous for your walk with the Lord, you stop. The Holy Spirit conviction, you're, you're more sensitive to it. Does a believer who received the Holy Spirit into their heart, uh, receive God's Spirit into their heart at salvation, do they have the ability to be uh, convicted of sin and turn? Yes. That's the job of the Holy Spirit too. Does it intensify when you've opened yourself up and let the Holy Spirit baptize you? Yes, it does. Peter and John were imprisoned and threatened, but they fearlessly stood for Christ. This was just after um, uh, the, the, they were brought before the same religious leaders who, who had Jesus crucified. They're brought before them, and Peter and John were imprisoned and threatened, but they fearlessly stood for Christ. And the Bible even tells us that the religious leaders noticed the courage of Peter and John and took note that these men had been with Jesus. So before, they knew Jesus and had, he had some followers. Now they know some names. They're standing out. What made Peter and John different? Where did they get this spiritual power? It came from having been filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that when they prayed together, this is after they were all filled with the Spirit. So after the Acts account, when they prayed together, the house was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. And I could tell you I've walked into prayer meetings where the Spirit of God is, is saturating people and they are beginning to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and I felt my knees tremble. You, you literally feel like the building must be shaking because the power of God is so strong. At the Brownsville Revival, um, there were people who weren't even believers who walked in and would fall to their knees because of the power of God was so strong and the presence of God was so strong in the place. There's been revivals in the past where judges would tell people you can either go to jail or go to the revival. And you probably ought to go to the revival because you'll end up changed there the other times just doing time. 
See, when, when people totally become recklessly abandoned in the Spirit of God and say, I don't care what I look like, I don't care what I sound like, I don't care what anybody thinks, this is between me and God, and I'm going to sell this right here and now, I'm tired of looking at Christianity as just something to go do on Sundays, and then I struggle with my sin, and I can't overcome anything, and it becomes just something that everybody does, and on the outside, I'm going to let everybody see me as a Christian, but if they knew what went on on the inside, they'd, they'd be... They'd be sorely disappointed. See, the Holy Spirit continues to do a new work. He's living there, but he wants to do something new. And you're dried up on the inside. You're, you're even getting angry. You're, you're, you're just finding that it's getting harder and harder to serve the Lord. Because you're not letting him do anything new in you. And some, you know, we don't have again, Assemblies God or Pentecostal in the name on the sign, and that was done intentionally before I was here. And so we tend to get people who are from different backgrounds because there's no barrier there. They don't read the sign and just go. But take advantage of that. Because the Lord, if, if this is putting you on the edge, the Lord has planted you here because he's trying to do something in you. And when you come. Now, listen, most of the time when, when we have services like this, in the Pentecostal church, we'll, we'll start telling people, come up to these altars. And, and uh, you know, I've been in the ones where, where you got somebody trying to push on you or you got this and that. And that's all the fake. You know, God doesn't need anybody to fill you with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need anybody else involved. I can tell you it's great to have people pray with you. So I'll be up here and I'll pray with anybody that wants to come up. But you can be right there in your seat and pray. But I don't know where you're at on the journey. Maybe you're still struggling with whether this is even for today. I can see right there in the Bible, Pastor, but I'm not sure this is really for today. I might take the other side on this. And as Kenny begins to pl- uh, play, I want us to just close our eyes for a moment. Maybe you're at the point where, okay, I can settle on that this is for today, but I don't think it's for everyone because I, I prayed for it before and or I have no desire to pray for it. And Well, let me tell you something. You shouldn't really be praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You should be praying that God will do something new in you and you keep seeking him. And, and then the more hunger and desire you have for him, then he'll do the work that he wants to do in you. Maybe you're at the point where, hey, I'm just afraid that I'll be rejected. I, I feel like I've been rejected my whole life. And for God to reject me on this, what if I pray and it doesn't happen right away? Like I said, I think it was two years when I finally got open to it at all. I still struggled for two years over it. But you got to first believe that Jesus wants to fill you. So as our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I'm just going to give you a moment between you and God. You work out the details with God wherever you're at in this journey. If you need to be up here praying praying with me or with others, that God would fill you, that God would just do something new in you, then you need to come forward. If you need to find a place by yourself at an altar or you need to be at your seat, or if you feel like you need more time to, to search the scripture and let God search your heart and you feel released to go, but this will be the formal dismissal for the service. You spend as much time as you need, and um, I'm here to pray with you if you need that. Love y'all. God bless you. If you're if you're new here today and you're able to stick around a little bit, uh, you know if you go to the uh, foyer, I'd love to visit with you before you leave. God bless you. Have a have a wonderful Sunday. Surround me.